0: Welcome to Insurance Uncovered, the first podcast to bring you insurance news along with an inside perspective from thought leaders in the property casualty insurance industry. Insurance Uncovered is produced by the National Association of Mutual Insurance Companies. Hello everyone, I'm Kathy Imus. Today we're uncovering on-demand insurance. The gig economy may be creating new opportunities, but getting consumers to buy in requires some help from insurers. Plus, the chance for long-term reform of the National Flood Insurance Program, what still needs to happen before it can become a reality. And the customer experience, how Pemco Insurance sets itself apart and keeps policyholders coming back. While Congress did pass and the president signed another short-term extension of the National Flood Insurance Program to carry it through September 30th, there is still some hope that lawmakers will pass a long-term reform plan this summer as well. This week, the House Committee on Financial Services is holding a markup of the full five-year NFIP reform package after bipartisan agreement between Democratic Chair Maxine Waters and ranking Republican Patrick McHenry. Senate action is still a big unknown, but with a little luck, it's still possible we'll see final action this year. The sharing economy has provided opportunities for companies to provide or share access to goods and services via online platforms that align with consumers' increasing preference to own less stuff. Alongside the sharing economy, we've also seen the birth of the gig economy, as individuals seek short-term or freelance work to meet the on-demand needs of organizations. Competiscan Vice President of Research Patrice Nolan says insurance companies are responding to the emerging opportunities in the market driven by the changing consumer expectations. But, she says, insurers could do a better job explaining the risks involved.
1: There's been a lot of bad publicity out, um, you know, particularly on Uber, Airbnb. You know, we've had multiple news stories um, about invasion of privacy and unfortunate events happening uh, with Uber drivers, Uber riders. So it it really becomes difficult. Um, I don't think a lot of consumers understand risk in general. And what insurance does for them. I think there are people out there that just will rent their home and not even get insurance. And if something bad happens, you know, people destroy the property. Um, they're out of luck. So I think the industry in general needs to do a better job of communicating the inherent risks involved with ride sharing, home sharing. When you're sharing property, you're you're taking a risk and when it's valuable property um, the risk becomes very uh, measurable and can really impact a consumer's life nolan
0: spoke at namic's personal line seminar earlier this year to learn more check out her presentation online at namic.org it's no secret that mutual insurance companies have a long history of and reputation for quality customer service In fact, NAMIC's 2018 reputation survey found that consumers associate mutuals more strongly with fairness and customer service by 10 points in comparison to other companies. So if you look among NAMIC's membership, it's not difficult to find lots of stories of service and mutuality. On today's Unscripted, we hear from one member company as our Chuck Chamniss talks with Pemco President and CEO Stan McNaughton, who shares his thoughts about the unique way Pemco sets itself apart and earns the loyalty of its policyholders.
2: Well, joining me today on Unscripted is the President and CEO of Pemco Mutual Insurance, one Stan McNaughton, out of Seattle, Washington. Stan, welcome. Thank you, Chuck. Glad to be here. You know, um, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you uh, about this or for this podcast and kind of get your thoughts is because um, here at NAMIC CEO Roundtables, we've had a lot of discussion about uh, customer experience and, you know, how mutual insurance companies, because they're aligned with policyholders, uh, we think do a better job. And it's not just us. Uh, objective Studies, J.D. Power, others uh, consistently rate mutuals. Uh, very high, they dominate the uh, customer satisfaction ratings, uh, home, auto, commercial lines, et cetera. And PemCO has a reputation to be a really customer-focused insurer. We've talked about this uh, in the past a little bit, and I want to explore it a little bit with you today. Um, first, you know about the company, the company is 70,
3: 70 years old this year.
2: 70? Okay, good guess. Uh, and there have been three CEOs in 70
3: years, only three CEOs in 70 years.
2: That's a pretty interesting, good, isn't it? It
3: is. It is. I think uh, yeah.
2: NAMIC has been around 124 years, and there have been five CEOs. So uh, yeah, we the- uh, we both have uh, you know connections to organizations that uh, have uh, longevity in the leadership role. Um, how do you? Explain the significance of that if there is any in the uh in the tenure
3: we uh earlier today in the roundtables we were talking a little bit about tenure uh and you find a lot of it in our industry i think if if we just start with the industry is that uh an insured event is the unexpected for the insured right. But we need to have experience who have seen that before, and that's how we rate it, that's how we service it, that's how we adjust it. And so the industry's built to have experience and have tenure. And so it, I don't, whether it's a mutual or not, inherently that that's important to all of us. So your benefit plans and other things are designed that way. But then you look at a mutual, the organizational structure. And we talk about it quite a bit at the organization is that First off, mutuals tend not to have an exit strategy. You know, they're not building something to flip it. They're not building it to sell it. Uh, they take that long view. You add that experience to it, uh, and you attract a, a certain type of person who sees value in what we do every day. And you suddenly look back, and you have been in the industry for thirty years.
2: Well, congratulations on the uh, tenure, but. Let's go back to customer service and and, uh, the way Pemco deals with that important issue around our industry. Um, As I said, our mutual industry has a great reputation for strong customer service. Um, How do you approach it at Pemco? I've got a couple. I think over the years we've Mm -hmm. talked about some uh, ways you address it, but uh, rather than kind of guessing what you're doing with it today, why don't I just ask the question and see how you're dealing with customer service today.
3: So you the customer service is a result of the strategy of the company the mutual is owned by the policyholder and that's never lost on us and so every meeting at the company whether it be at the board uh, be in the team meetings uh, in what we call mile posts, where I have these quarterly meetings with all the staff every time you start with a customer story and we have kind of a rule about customer stories they can either give you energy and pride or they give you angst, and sometimes the angst are the best ones because that's when we fail to meet the expectations of the customer. And then things happen and things improve. And so everything is built around that the policyholder is the customer and we're here to serve them. We're a mutual. We take the long view. We're a personal line insurer, and that's important in the context of this conversation. So in personal lines, the customer approaches it with emotion. So we can have a relationship with someone. In fact, for our 70th, we just had some testimonials for customers who had been with us 67 years. We have situations, many situations, where we're third generation. We could have first, second, and third all at the same time. Because by the nature of what we provide them, it can continue throughout their life. They can be born into it, and they can exit it if we do our job. And so we pay a lot of attention when we make decisions is how will the customer see this through their lens, through their emotion, because they're not insurance experts. And if you look through that lens and then look at the analytical decision making processes and the other things we need to do, you you get a pretty good formula going where your retention rates are very good and your customers sometimes can be your, or your customers frequently are your best advocates.
2: Now, thinking back to some of the stories and, and uh, uh, aspects of customer service at Pemco I've heard about before, uh, do you still serve Humble Pie?
3: I actually don't know if we still serve Humble Pie, but we do things like that, in that Humble Pie was a situation in particular in claims yeah. uh, where we made a mistake. I told you I'd get back to you, Chuck, on your claim in yesterday, and I'm sorry, I, it's today, and I haven't got back to you. And you could have a pie show up at your place, a humble pie, a thank you from us, this fresh pie that says, hey, we're humbled, we're sorry, I hope you accept our apology. But there's a rule with it. And the rule with it is that you not only send the humble pie out to the customer, and no one's going to challenge you for doing that, you then share with the others what the nature of the mistake was and how we collectively learned from it and how the customer responded. And it's amazing how people lean into those things. And the reason I'm not sure humble pie is working because our pie maker went out of business. Oh. We want to make sure that the pie is fresh. It's, you know, it meets yeah. all the different health criteria when it's right. So we're looking for other. Wouldn't be right for Pemco to send a frozen no, pie, and we wouldn't and, want or whatever. It's got to be a great pie, right? So we're looking for a new pie maker.
2: How <laughs> in Seattle there has to be like an oh. artisan local. Well, Wood-fired oven pie maker. Now, remember, it's, it's
3: got to serve a greater market, just Seattle. So I you know, gotta, but I'm just somebody, thinking, yes, from right there, will. you could bring those pies from Seattle. Yeah. We'll, we'll figure it out. Well. I think the concept is alive and well.
2: Uh, years ago, we wrote about that in <laughs> uh, in magazine. Yeah. Uh, that's how I uh, yeah. remember. I'm not even sure yeah. we had the conversation about it, but that was yeah. a very yeah. clever way. Because every company makes mistakes. Every person makes yeah. mistakes. You know, Legal liability is often presented by uh, or prevented by admission yeah. that hey, you know
3: we were wrong and we're sorry that idea wasn't mine that idea was one of our adjusters, really, yeah, her name was Lynn, and she came up with the idea it was great.
2: well, I mentioned Seattle uh you're in the entire Pacific Northwest mm-hmm. um and I know that uh, we've also talked in the past about the marketing campaigns. I think you have very clever and very effective ways of marketing the company uh, you know, as a regional mutual serving uh, that part of the country. Uh, can you tell us about where you are today in terms of presenting the company to the public?
3: So we'll touch base just on the uh, previous marketing campaign because it, it ran an amazing 8 to 10 years. Uh, at the time we developed that in 2007, And you look at the target audience that it's focused on, it's focused for those people who are in motion in their life, who are about to buy insurance, they have a life event going on, Uh, a number of things might be the first time that they bought their auto insurance when they graduate from college. So your target audience is 20 to about 43 years old. These are the people really in motion. It's much more difficult to get somebody to move later in life from one carrier to another. So that program was designed around the concept that the majority of people in our market had been raised there. And the Northwest is kind of a unique area, has its own way of talking about things. And so we had a lot of humor in there, kind of poking fun at how we do things, how we're overly polite sometimes at a four-way stop so nobody will go forward. Socks and sandals, uh, blue tarp camping. And that program ran, uh, let's say, just about 10 years. The back half of that 10 years, uh, the Puget Sound region and the Portland region just exploded in growth. Uh, tech boom, you hear things like Amazon, many names like that, Facebook's up there, Google's up there, they're all up there. When We looked at who our target market was now, the new people coming into the market, we were the fastest growing, Portland, Seattle were a couple of the fastest growing cities there for a number of years and are still amazingly fast growing. They uh, didn't necessarily grow up in the Northwest. And so the campaign's not going to resonate with them, but that's, again, we're in that same age age demographic that we want to attract. So it was time to reboot it, and uh, the new campaign is defending your Northwest. Because one thing we did find out about all these people with our research is, yes, they came for a job, but they could have gone to San Antonio, they could have gone to Silicon Valley, there's a lot of places they could have gone. They came to the Northwest. And why they came to the Northwest was the attributes of the Northwest, so we grew up there, we understand the Northwest, we understand why they came there, so we're their defender. So we are now a defender of your Northwest.
2: And if I recall correctly, previously, when you are focused on those kind of native Northwest people, it was, we're like you, a little different? Yeah,
3: a lot like you, a little different. A
2: lot like you. Yeah. And I should yeah. know that
3: exactly yeah. because yeah.
2: in my uh, office, I have a mug and it has sandal, sandals and socks guy uh, and it says we're a lot like you, a little different. Tremendously uh, effective, and you can see how, again, back in the day, 10 years ago, it was targeted to those native Northwest people, and now you've evolved to defender of your Northwest, you know, painting with a broader brush, perhaps, and recognizing those yeah.
3: that have opted into the It's got region. a lot of power, the new campaign, if you see it. it's, it's uh, But it has humor, and uh, once again, with humor, you always have to make sure that it gives, it doesn't take, uh, because humor is very powerful, and we're very sensitive to that. And uh, yeah, we have a, we think we've got something that'll be a lot of fun to run with, and uh, it'll get attention. can you wait have to see to, it. You got to stand out.
2: Well, I hope if it has sandals and socks, uh, it'll stand out. Oh, but, sandals uh, and
3: socks. I'm a sandals yeah. and socks guy personally, and yeah. that was kind of my, my contribution to it. I told them they had to make sandals and socks acceptable, they took on the challenge Our marketing they did. people. And they uh, did. It became a, a famous thing in the Northwest.
2: So another key issue, and, and kind of the last is we're running out of time, but uh, you mentioned some of the major employers that you compete with effectively. Yep. You're in the market every day hiring new people young people often to replace those that are retiring and kind of deal with what we call the insurance talent gap. And there's a couple, you know, uh, pretty well-known employers right across the street, uh, Microsoft, uh, Amazon, to name two. How do you present Pemco to the new generation of, you know, would-be, maybe don't even know it yet, uh, but potential insurance, uh, um, you know, managers... Uh, staffers, future executives?
3: You know, that, that, that is a great question. So the workforce, if we want to attract from Amazon, Microsoft, one thing about their business model is they run those people very hard when they're young. And people are willing to do that because they get a lot of experience. When they get a little bit older and they acquire that experience at, the, at these uh, powerful brands, they, they want to have a little more work-life balance. And one things we're able to offer them when they reach that point is that we can offer you some work-life balance, and what you offer us is all what you just learned. And so actually, uh, don't lose too many to them. We actually get more than we lose to them. And, and there's a fair trade going on there, and so it works pretty good with us. But the other thing above that is, the uh, moment we get into a conversation with them, usually the people, we, well, the people we do want to attract want to make a difference. And so you do remind of me if you think about what does PEMCO do with the premium dollar that it collects from the community? It puts the vast majority back into our own communities through small businesses and gets stuff done. Okay? We do real things. You know, a mission statement we have is that uh, at the end of the day, we want our free our communities of worry so they can have a fulfilled life. Free them of worry so they can have a fulfilled life fulfilled life. And that's what we do. And people start thinking about the value of insurance and I heard someone today in in the roundtable talk about if you really think about insurance unlike a lot of industries so much of the decision-making that makes a difference is decentralized the adjusters make decisions that they have to make based on the facts in front of them the underwriters make decisions based on the facts in front of them basically it's a business where you can make a difference versus decision-making be centralized in many other businesses. and So you you get a lot of autonomy and you get to make a difference yourself. And you get to be around people who want to leave the world a little better and they found it. And we have the long view because we're a mutual. And we don't have an exit strategy. Some pretty powerful pieces and we believe in supporting our communities and do good. Results for good. That's why we exist. Well, we can't sum it
2: up any better than that. Uh, results for good. Um, Stan, thanks for uh, sharing your thoughts and a little bit about PEMCO today. And uh, good luck with uh, Defender of Your Northwest. I think it's a powerful new theme that uh, captures where you are today.
3: We'll, uh, we'll take it, we'll run with it, and uh, see where it goes. Thanks, thanks again. Chuck.
0: On the next Unscripted, Chuck sits down with NAMIC's Michelle Rogers, who is Assistant Vice President of International and Regulatory Affairs. Michelle will update us on a number of key issues facing property casualty insurers on the international regulatory front. And that's a wrap for this episode of Insurance Uncovered. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast, and we hope you'll keep tuning in as we return with more insurance news and information on June 26th. And remember, if there's a topic or issue you'd like us to uncover, don't hesitate to let us know. You can always send us an email at uncoveredatnamic.org. Until next time, I'm Kathy Imus. Have a great day.